0: as we um, are, we're actually wrapping up a series, uh, the DNA of relationships. Everybody say DNA, DNA. of relationships. And um, if I could, if you've if not made it the last couple of weeks or you've not been able to join us online, let me just kind of set the, the, the premise. Um, I watched the church of America, of the world really, um, in 2020 and 2021, I watched us get divided I watched us uh, go to our own corner, corners um, culturally. I watched us not unify. I watched us lose relationships. And uh, that was the work of an enemy. The Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. Cancer is a work of the enemy. That's a work of the enemy. Jesus came to destroy that stuff. And, uh, and division in the body of Christ is the work of the enemy. And as a multiracial church, we felt it probably more than others because we don't all vote the same way. Come on, somebody. We don't all see it the same way. We all didn't grow up the same way. We don't all get up and put our britches on exactly the same way as far as how we go to work and what we do and what we've experienced. And so the beauty of a multiracial church is in our unity. And so it was real important to me that we go back and we learn how to be in good relationship with each other. In fact, one of our key verses for this whole series was when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest of all of those commandments? And there were like 613 commandments. And uh, and Jesus said, well, I can summarize it real easily. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. And uh, it's easy sometimes to love a God that you can't see. Um, sometimes it's very difficult to love a God that you don't see physically, um, but it's very difficult at times to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, especially when they think a little differently than you and maybe don't, aren't aware of your needs as much. And so with that being said, we jumped into this series and we stole every bit of it. From Dr. Gar- Gary Smiley's book, The DNA of Relationships. And so uh, we actually asked you and presented to you, won't you go pitch, pick that book up? It changed my life 15 years ago, and I believe that it would help you. And then well, what we did was in the middle of it, we learned his big teaching out of the book of James chapter four, what causes fights and quarrels among you. Do they not come from your desire that battles within you. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight, but you do not have because you do not ask God. And we kind of have been breaking that verse down, really, for the last couple of weeks. You want something, and when you don't get it, that causes a reaction in you. And um, and actually, what Dr. Smiley was able to do is identify that because we want something, that creates a fear that we won't have it. And then when we perceive that fear as being you know attacked or when we are being attacked or not given what we want we then react and so what we did was we took his little assessment in fact, we'll put the QR, QR, QR code up on the screen. And if you wanted to take that assessment, you haven't been with us, you can put your phone on it right now, put your camera on it. It'll take you to that little assessment. You can do that later in the week or today, today while I'm preaching. It doesn't matter. You can multitask. My goodness, you drive, drink coffee, and talk on the cell phone on the way to work in the morning. So so surely you can multitask while I'm sharing the word with you. But I wanted you to be able to identify some of your top Reactions, because we all have reactions. Some of you are yellers. Some of you are powders. Some of you are fixers. We all have these reactions, and a lot of it was based on how we were raised and what we saw modeled. And some of it has to do with the ex- life experiences that we've had. And uh, and as a result, we've created these uh, these reactional habits. And then what we identified was because I have a because I want you maybe to like me, maybe I want, I want to feel safe, maybe I want to be respected by my coworkers, maybe in my small group, I want them to honor me uh, because I've been a Christian for a very long time. The moment that I want that, that then creates a fear that that may not happen. And if I perceive that you are not honoring me, that hits my core fears, as Dr. Smiley has been able to identify. And he gave us a whole list of almost 20, 26 or so uh, core fears. And then once you hit that, I then react in some type of response that is motivated to get you to give me what I want. And then now, now more than likely, I've hit your core fear. And he identified that we then get in conflict, and he called it the fear dance, where we are literally back and forth with each other. And at the end of the day, we probably can't even identify what it was. We just know we don't like each other anymore. And that has happened in the church for the last couple of years, and it's time for a new dance. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, you can do better than that. It's time for a new dance. And we reminded us last week in Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for God did not give us a spirit of fear but power, love, and a sound mind. So these core fears did not come from the Lord. They're not of God, and we need to get delivered from them. Are you with me? Say yes. And we need to be able to walk in great humility with each other. We need to embrace our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be one unit, one family, because I'm telling you, uh, there is still much persecution to come to the church in America. And so with that being said, today, as we jump into our last piece, I've titled this Healthy Relational Habits because we are different because we're different we need to learn some relational habits that are healthy we all got bad habits we need to learn some good relational habits because we're different i want to take you to 1 corinthians chapter 12 and verse 14 I'm going to read all the way to verse 20. It's one of my favorite passages, 1 Corinthians 12, as well as uh, Romans 12, because they talk about us, uh, both, in both places they talk about us being many parts, but one body. It says, now the body is made up of one part. It's not made up of one part, but many. Verse 15, If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body. You didn't arrange it, God arranged it. God brought you here for such a time as this. God himself has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. What I want you to understand is that you are very unique. God made you different. I thank God that in this church we don't have 17 big noses. I thank God that we don't have 3,000 ears. And, and no big toes and no little pinky toes God has made each and every one of us unique every part of us is unique who we are is unique the way you were raised was unique the difficulty that you overcame is unique to you and to you alone you are unique the culture by which you were raised in is unique to you you and I are unique and beautiful and God loves that and it was he who made us different parts and then told us to come together as one body and the problem is in that whole connecting parts to be one this is where the difficulty comes in this is where some of our old habits are being destructive and because we don't recognize and validate that you know what you ain't nothing like me and i love it do you know that statistically opposites attract in marriage isn't that weird statistically you would think i want somebody who's just like me who understands the way i understand thinks the way i think we'll get married and see what happens you might have thought that when you were dating. But then once you get married, you're like, Who's, who are you? You mean to tell me you don't like that? No, I never did. I just wanted you to like me. So that's why I said I did while we were dating or something like that. We are so unique and so beautiful. And it was God himself that has arranged it and put us all together. See, we're not supposed to be like everyone else. And I love that the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians says it like this. He goes, and how silly for an ear to say that since I'm not a mouth, I don't deserve to be a part of this. How silly for that. That doesn't even make any sense. You are unique. You are perfect. You are perfectly wired. God made you special, and he put us all together and said, now I hope y'all can figure out how to make this thing work. It is our job to figure out how to be in relationship with each other. He put us together, and we have to learn to become more and more healthy. And so what we did uh, a few days back is we sat down with four different types of couples in this church. And I let out, and we found we found four different types of couples. We found a black couple, a white couple, that was me, and, uh, and and a Hispanic couple, and an Asian couple. And we said, let's just sit down and just talk for a second about, about how we're a little bit different and how, and how you know, that is difficult at times in relationships. We didn't go, go super deep and philosophical because we actually love each other, and so it was a great time being fun. But I want you to see your church in action talking about these differences, and I think for the... The next 11 minutes, I, it was an we re-recorded for an hour. They just wouldn't shut up. They kept talking about all this great stuff, and they had so much wisdom. And so we cut it down to 11 minutes. I want you to sit back and enjoy, it. and I want you to notice the differences that we have and the beauty in our uni- uniqueness. Go ahead and play that for them. So just here to talk about. Uh, how we were all raised a little differently, and just uh we're celebrating our uniqueness, and you know I've just been thinking a lot about how God made us all so different and so beautiful, and I had this concept, you know who wants the same toy in the toy box, you know like you every one of your toys as a kid were probably a little different, I mean, I don't know, maybe you just had a you know yeah, Jill. Yeah, yeah, you just know na- what I mean just think I just the ninja. So so just to open up, just what was some of the things that are just unique to your family, maybe your culture?
1: When we say hi, as Latin Americans, we do like this. Hi.
0: Right. And uh, I did
1: that to, I, I forgot, I forgot. One Sunday, I forgot that I was saying hi to a non-Hispanic person, a very dear friend of ours, and I went in like that, and I, and I said hi to her, and she just looked at me like, I was like, to okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I had to say, you know what? I just I clicked into Spanish mode. That's Anyways. hilarious. So yeah. that's, but that's very common. Yeah. I
2: would have to say I always have to explain to people. We're Hispanic is when he he sees a pregnant belly and he goes and he can't help himself. He goes and
3: touches
1: and the big
2: pregnant I, I don't belly.
1: Know if that's a Hispanic thing. I that might just but be a, a map, lot of all the black mamas growing up did that to us.
3: For me, I have to remember to ask permission because mm. it's like, can I?
1: <laughs> yeah, I
3: don't
2: I just yeah. go for it. Yeah. No, yeah. he just and so I always have to go. Remember, they're not, not everybody is okay with that. <laughs> not everybody's pregnant either. You're not even showing, but if they know you're pregnant,
4: they go and put your hand on your oh, belly. Really? And you're wow. like... A lot of similarities in the Hispanic culture. Yeah. And um, one thing about raising kids, uh, <laughs> if we say something and they don't understand, we say it louder.
0: So you just keep escalating. We just it. Grab, yeah.
4: that. Grab, it. Grab that. Grab that. What? What? And we what? point with our mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Over so there. Point with your mouth. Right there. And there. You really? And we
0: yeah. expect you to understand because yes. you're and a they're smart like, Asian. What?
4: This one? <laughs> no, this
0: one. You
4: have to understand.
0: So they always uh, tease on in the movies that uh, Asian families are very hard on their children for academics. Is that a true? Uh, that is true.
4: That yeah. is true. But um, like um, our son, he changed, he recently changed his um, major. major. And that's from, that a big deal. From in? an engineering to music major, that's a big thing
0: for yeah. us. What do
4: you do for money? Huh? I mean, it's either you're a doctor or an engineer or, you know, do computers. It's one of those things. So, is it really? So there is a pressure. To there there oh, yeah. is a pressure. Wow. And then, you know, you, you would notice my, my parents would normally be like, oh, he, he's like, he's the engineer. Now it's like, he, what is he doing now? Oh, He's okay. going oh, to be happy. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. He changed
4: his major. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. You're, as long as you're happy. As long, long as okay. you're
0: happy. <laughs> so in your family, can people just, family members just stop by at any time or they have to come announced?
3: Oh, no. You got to announce it. Because
0: mm-hmm. yeah. these guys had me dying laughing the other day because mom and dad had just come look in the window. Oh, no. Come walk in the back door. Is that the case? Did I get that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: but not so with you guys, right?
0: Not doing mm. that. Nah, you know, call first. Mm. You know, yell from up the street.
4: Hey, we're coming.
0: <laughs> but don't just show up. Nah, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. What about you guys? Is it is it okay just to show up at a relative's house unannounced?
2: If we allowed our parents to do so, they would. I mean, they borderline do.
0: <laughs> but
2: there's a little bit of boundaries there. Um, we might be
1: more American in that part. Mm, you know? Yeah. Mm. But in Latin culture, oh, you, for you sure. Just you, up. you just show up. Yeah. And,
2: and, and you're a no friend's friend and your friend's <laughs> cousin and so and so, and
1: that's just normal. It becomes a party.
0: <laughs> What's some of the other differences that you guys feel like like your family unit or or, or how you guys are maybe a little different than uh, maybe some other folks? My,
3: my family was really, my dad and mom was really strict on uh, relationships with males. Mm. So I was. Sixteen, seventeen, president of organization, vice president of organizations. A guy would call who was also like an officer, and my dad would go, "She can't talk to boys on the phone."
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let's go, Jamal.
2: No, my dad would. Uh, can I talk to Emily? Did. Did did you not um learn how to say hello? Oh. If you call my house, you need to say hello. Oh yeah. Um, for them correction. it was it, for them it was a really big deal that right. we always made eye contact and said mm. hello and were respectful and acknowledge people.
0: What have been some of the um, most difficult pieces in engaging with people that aren't like you or maybe don't don't have the same cultural concepts you have what's some of the conflicts that has arisen, like, even in, in a multiracial church? Uh, the, work, the place I work at, we normally
4: go through every other month, uh, diversity, you know, inclusion training. <clears throat> and we have to answer all the questions. Some of the questions that was asked there, I thought, like, what's wrong with this question? One of the questions was, like, it's wrong for you to tell somebody if they're presenting, hey, you spoke really well. You spoke good English or whatever. Mm. Like, what's wrong with that? If somebody came up to me and said, you spoke real good English. I was there. heck yeah, Sesame Street. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Friends, whatever. But then I, I asked my uh, black oracle, like, why is that wrong? Because for, for then she explained, well, because that was offensive because you're assuming that I'm not educated enough to even speak that way. Mm. So what show, that showed me was like, my experience in the Philippines is true and valid. Her experience is true and valid. But the context gets so convoluted Mm. when you're comparing it. Mm -hmm. I felt it was okay. I didn't offend you. You're just too sensitive. She goes like, you just don't know what I'm, you know. It could come like that. I'm like, oh, okay. We're, it's both valid. I understand now. Now I'm going to be, you know, more, you know, understanding. Mm -hmm. And then after that, because I was calling, I was like, but by the way, Tiffany, yeah, your English is pretty good. (laughs)
0: He's like, I will punch yeah. you in the head. But we're now
4: laughing because we, you know, yeah, there, yeah.
0: there was this relationship. But off am like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. I, I, yeah, uh, I know. To that point, Yolanda, we had a conversation months ago, me, you, and Pastor Jonathan, because um, Pastor Jonathan, Hispanic, um, and so he um, he calls himself redneck, and Yolanda was like, Hey, y'all shouldn't say that. That generates all kinds of concerns for me. And we're like, what are you talking about? This means like dudes who hunt and we're and we're overall. She's like, not nah, where I'm from. That's mm, not I'm how I'm from. hearing percent.
3: dueling banjos and seeing Confederate flags. Yeah. And so it's a different yeah, yeah. it's a different perspective. It's a different mm-hmm. threat. But I think think the the strength like here is that people are willing to have those conversations. Yeah. I, this is the second second time we've been at a uh, at a church where the pastor was intentional about multiracial mm multi-generational. And what I found after we left was that some of my relationships that I thought were deep were really shallow. Mm. And so here, I've been really intentional about saying, hey, I'm a safe space. If you have a question and you don't understand why this is offensive or you don't understand a viewpoint, please come
0: yeah,
3: come have the conversation because um, I'm going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: For me, uh, it's it's been... Um, <clears throat> just coming to that point where you're you're not going to understand me completely yep. and i'm mm-hmm. not going to understand you completely because we're two different people mm-hmm. let's 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 agree on on the most important thing that we can agree on and yeah. that's christ mm-hmm. that's jesus that's yes. jesus let's look i love you i love you even though you don't understand me and even though i don't understand you and you know I, any everybody here's Mary, so we, we can all we can all attest that we practice that <laughs> every day, you know, like my wife probably practices more than I do, you know <laughs> she uh I, we're not always going to understand each other, and we're not always going to um even agree even agree mm-hmm. yeah. but what we do, what we do need to understand is who who Christ is in our lives mm-hmm. and and uh, and where we, that's where we do need to agree yeah, yeah, yeah. that no. That's the one thing that, above all, links yeah. us I'm to I'm a Christian guess. first. Yeah.
4: I think, too, the, the revelation that I need people in my life that don't see things the way that I see them. If I constantly look for people that only agree with me, I'm really never growing in who I am. And even more than they need me and my knowledge, I need them. I need, you know, Yolanda to say, but are you showing up? And that concept, and then even unpacking, what does that even mean, right? And And... And not just because it's a cultural thing, but but because what we bring to the table helps us see cultural things differently. People that open their homes, and maybe somebody that would never have anybody in their home, mm. and just understanding those are obstacles, but they're opportunities. Yolanda always says that those are opportunities for us to grow and learn, and um, yeah. and say I can become a better person, and I can, you know, become more like Christ by understanding. my brothers and sisters.
0: Well, thank you guys, man. What a wonderful, um, I think, display of, of God's goodness in our lives to bring us all together and to be able to celebrate and laugh and enjoy each other. And I think if we can just say, it's okay, it's okay to enjoy the differences and not pick it apart, not go to our separate corners. And I think this is, a, you know, we're talking about the DNA of relationships and how we can build relationships and how we can rebuild them and reestablish them, and I think we're all on the same journey. Like, let's do that, Lord. Let's reestablish, you know, safe places for each other and re-talk like, through those things and be the church. You know, that's that's my heart, and uh, and I know that's y'all's heart. So thank you for all that you shared today. Oh, you can do better than that. That was really good. So good. Yeah, so, you know, I think the difficulty is where the hand connects to the arm. It's in that connection piece. I don't think anyone that's a part of our church or a part of the community of believers wants to be divided. I think where the difficulty comes in is where we connect and um it's in that like hey i see that differently i think you're different than that and i always teach this thing on value systems. see we all value pretty much the same thing even democrats and and republicans we just we disagree in the order of importance they should go in that's typically what the problem is like for example there are people in, in at hill city if i ask you what what's more valuable to you kids ministry or worship all of you would be on a little different page if you have kids you like kids ministry if you don't have kids, you're like, man, we need worship. I just need some time to be with the Lord. Oh, kids work out. I don't really care. But I just need worship. I just need. It's not that you don't value kids. You just don't put it at the same level in valuing. And so what we have to do many times is say, you know what, I, you value that at a, at a four and I value that at a six. But being with you is more important than where I value that at. My relationship with you is more important than that. I want you more than I want to be right or more than I even expect you to somehow change your value to my value. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. And so it's with that that I thought it was real important today that we move into in this message. If we're going to connect, then we've got to get some habits that are healthy. So I'm titling these seven relational habits, or excuse me, seven healthy relational habits because we're different because we're different. Let's start with number one. You ready? Here we go. Let's be, be sure to take some notes here. We're looking at some scripture. Number one, be grateful and show it. Be grateful and show it. I love what the apostle Paul said to the Philippians. In Philippians chapter one and verse three, he said, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Every time I see, the Lord, I'm so grateful I have them in my life. Oh, I haven't seen them in months. I'm so grateful I have them in my life. Be grateful. Show gratefulness. Be grateful and show it. I mean, let's just start with the, those of us that are married. I mean, we should wake up every morning and say, Oh, God, I can't believe she still likes me. I'm so grateful that you gave me a woman who is long-suffering. And who and who has great great wisdom to know that I'm the best you ever, know that Lord that she could that she could help mold me in the direction she wants me to become and what you I'm just I'm being silly but be grateful for those relationships and show that I, I think that we give off many times that we really don't need each other. We need each other. I'm so grateful. That's why I tell you thank you so much for coming on a Sunday. There's so many great churches in the Metroplex that you would come here. I am grateful that you would let me be your pastor, that you would let our pastoral team care for you, that you would even connect in our vision to do small group life. I'm so grateful, and I pray for you every day. I'm so grateful to have you in my life. The Apostle Paul said, I'm so grateful for you that I thank God every day. I just thank God for you. Do you thank God For your spouse? Do you thank God for your kids? Do you even pause long enough to say, Man, I'm so grateful you're my child. I'm so grateful I got you. God could have sent me anyone, but He gave me you, and you're the perfect kid for me. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for this job. I think we spend so much time pointing out what we don't like that we never value what, we never give value to what's really there. And let me tell you something, if you got a job, you ought to be grateful. If you got some co-workers that aren't stabbing you in the throat every day and, 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 I mean, you know what I'm saying, just even, I'm sure they've got all their problems. If you got a group of small group folks in this church that halfway know your name, well, you should be grateful. I was at the mega church where nobody knew my name, didn't care that I came or didn't come. Is you got some folks that actually, hey, I don't remember your name, but I'm glad you're here. I remember talking to you a couple weeks ago. Be grateful for that. Be grateful for those relationships and actually show it. And so the question is, how would you show it? Everybody would show that, that gratefulness a little differently. Some of you would, love, would sit down and have more conversations with them. Some of you would show, give a little gift. We all have our different ways of showing our gratitude. And so it's okay. Maybe the way they're showing gratitude is not the way you would show gratitude. But you need to stop and recognize, you know, they're being grateful for this. Just the fact that they would come and stand. I, I know there's, there's a couple folks in the church that, you know, they don't get to see me much. And so when they come, they will stand in line. They will chase me to the bathroom. Just to be able to say, Pastor, that's a good message. Thank you. And just because they want me to know how grateful they are. And I then want to reciprocate that. We should show our gratitude. We should be grateful. And I'm telling you, we live in a culture now that says, you know what? Yeah, I, you got to get you. mine is mine. I got to get mine. And we literally live in a culture that steps on relationships to get where they want to go. That is the prevailing concept of, of the upward mobility of the corporate concept. Is that it doesn't matter who you got to step on, you just got to get there because the first one to the top wins. Well, in Christianity, God took that whole pyramid and he flipped it upside down. He said the first one to the bottom wins, holding everyone else up on their shoulders. That is Christianity. That is, if you will, God's kingdom business model right there. It's an inverted pyramid. Instead of trying to step on everyone to get up here, we flipping every we hold others up and they get to rise above. And so this is a gratefulness that seems to be missing. I, I, it's it's unfortunate to me that I don't hear and see as much on social media. I'm just so grateful that, that you posted that. Thank you. You're my friend. We need to do better at that. And here's the second healthy relational habit. And these are habits. If you'll do these every day, you know, do you know how you create a habit? Anybody know? You do the same thing consistently every day for 30 days and it'll start becoming a habit to you. So some of you are habitually cursors because that's what you've done since you were 13 years old. So the way to stop that is that you would change your language in the moments that you normally would curse. It's not, it's not that, I just gotta stop it, I just gotta stop No, 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 you would do the opposite, and then it would become a habit. If you have bad eating habits, you, all you have to do is do the opposite for 30 days, and it'll be, it'll beca- that'll then become a habit. And so I'm trying to get you in some healthy relational habits. And you should wake up every day and be grateful for those relationships that God's given you. For your spouse, for your children, for your coworkers, for your church family. You should, you should tell them every Sunday, I want to thank God for you. Can I just tell you I thank God for you? Yeah, Every time I come, you're just, you're just so nice to me. And I just can't thank you. I thank you for this text message that you gave me and invited me to your small group. It doesn't really fit for us. But I'm just so grateful that you would even reach out. We need to get in the habit of being grateful and showing it. Are you with me? Say yes. Here's the second great habit, and that is pray for them. Pray for your relationships. Look what the Bible says about praying for relationships in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44 on into verse 45. But I tell you, Jesus speaking, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He actually says, what good is it if you pray for all those people who love you? He goes, Are you do good, good things to people who do good things back to you. He goes, I'm going to take you a whole nother level. You want to be called a son of God, a daughter of God? Then here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for those who do you dirty. If we pray for people who do us dirty, what should we be doing for those who we love and we want to be in relationship with? How much, I mean, the scripture's all packed, the Holy Bible's all packed through, pray for them, pray for them. The Apostle Paul kept asking all the churches that he planted, pray for us, pray we need your prayer support. See, I don't think we really realize the power of prayer. I don't think we really grasp the power of prayer. See, I see prayer like this, it creates a wall of protection. It marks the subject as under God's protection, so when I start praying for my wife, see, when I start praying for my wife, I am marking her. She belongs to God. I'm marking That's mine. Hey, will you ever, will you ever, remember kindergarten where you had to put your name on everything? Because all those other little kids would steal your colors. You know what I'm talking about? you my color box. You know, my name's on it. And the reason that is because if you don't mark it, someone's going to take it. You're not listening. If you don't mark it, someone else is going to take it. You're, can I just, can I just help you? If you're married and you don't pray for your spouse every day, you're ignorant. Ignorant means a lack of understanding. You you are ignorant. You don't understand that that man gets in his truck, that man gets in his car, and he goes to work, and there are so many perverted spirits trying to steal that man. If you don't mark him and cover him in prayer, sweetheart, you are a foolish young lady. You should grow up out of that and realize it's not that he doesn't love you. He is being attacked and bombarded. Bro, if you don't have enough wisdom, You come to church every now and again to make her happy, and you don't pray for your wife because you think this whole thing is foolish. You are a foolish individual because every spirit every demonic force is out there trying to woo her away from you the Bible actually talks about weak-willed women who are wooed away from their marriage and literally that, that these that these other type of men get in there and worm their way in to divide up your marriage you are crazy you have lack of understanding if you're not praying for your spouse every day I pray for Jamie and I say oh God I cover her I know she thinks I'm the sexiest man on the planet but God there are demons out there trying to steal her truth and to create lies And so I rebuke every lie, I rebuke every fella, I rebuke every wayward thought that would say, you know what, I'm displeased, I'm not satisfied. If only I had gone off with that dude from high school instead of marrying Adam McKay. I rebuke all of that. I cover her in prayer. I speak life over every one of her engagements with other people, and I demand that no demon in hell can take her or steal her, and I mark her. And I say, I double-dog dare you, devil, to try to get close to her. And you say, what are you talking about? The Bible talks about in the book of Job, Satan came and he wanted to get at Job and he says, But you put something around him and I can't get to him. A hedge of protection is how King James calls it a hedge of protection. You, you, put, you, put, you marked him, so I can't even get to him. Friend, you need to use the authority that you have as a believer and mark those who belong to you. You are, you are not a wise individual if you don't pray over your children every day before you send them out into this wicked world. They can't even wake up, and everything on that iPhone, everything on that Internet is trying to steal your child away from believing in Jesus, trying to steal them away from being pure, trying to steal them away from being righteous, and you are just, le- hope you make it, buddy. Good luck. You would never do that. You would never drop them off in the backwoods of somewhere without any kind of protection and say, I hope you make it. But yet we send them into this wicked world without any prayer covering. You're not going to keep relationships if you don't pray over them. So I don't understand, man. We were in this small group when we first came to Hill City, and everything just got, did you pray for it? I bet you didn't pray over those relationships so the enemy was able to get in there sideways and get y'all sideways, excuse me, with each other. Because you didn't pray. See, prayer brings this protection. It marks us as its value to me. Because you don't pray for anything you don't care about. You pray for things you care about. And so if if what you're saying, when you don't pray for me as your pastor, what I'm saying when I don't pray for you as the people of Hill City, I'm saying you're not very valuable to me. You're saying you're not very valuable to me. I hope you make it. Hope it works out for you. Charge. But when you and I begin to pray for one another, we pray for these relationships. Listen, Jesus told us to pray for enemies enemies. You know what would turn around in your job if you start praying for those little knotheads that you work with? It would turn around. I'm telling you, I, I can testify of it. I can testify. I've been humble enough to say, God, your, what your word says works. So I'm going to put it into practice. And I started praying for people I could not stand at my job. Could not stand them wanting them to die an early death <laughs> so they could get out of my way. Just being honest. And I started praying for them. And two things happened. First off, I began to have grace for them. It was supernatural. It didn't make any sense. Like Someone would say, can you believe that they did this again? And all of a sudden, I started defending them. Well, you know, it's not that bad. They're not that bad. And you're looking at me like, you're the one who made me bitter at them a month ago. And I'm like, well, it's not so bad. Because I started praying for them. And then you know what happened? I'm not going to lie. They came to me and said, hey, man, you always talking about Jesus. You think I could come to your church because I really need a change? The whole time. In fact, Jamie and I teach this all the time. If you're frustrated in your job, there's probably someone you're supposed to minister to. And until you get that ministry done, he's not going to release you to the next thing. This is kind of, this is kind of a, a, a way by which we live. And so I recognize frustration as an opportunity to move in God's power. And so it starts with praying. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. Oh, you're not with me. Are you with me? Say Yes. yes. If you don't pre- they're going to go out. Years ago, Jamie and I, when we first married, we decided one day, somewhere around Thanksgiving, uh, Valentine's Day, I think it was, we were in Louisiana. We decided we wanted to go have a romantic country moment. <laughs> and so we loaded up the picnic basket And there was this little river, and it had a little sandy beach area, but you had to park on the side of the interstate, and you had to walk for 16 miles. I know none of y'all have been stupid enough to do that, but we did. We were young and dumb. And so we, we were walking through the high grass, and we got out on the little beach area on this river. We were out there by ourselves, and we had just a little romantic time. We loaded it all back up, and we walked back through the high grass. And when we got in the car and we started driving home, we started itching, and we looked down, and we were full of ticks. Do you know why we were full of ticks? Because we walk through the high grass. Your wife walks through the high grass every day. You better cover. Her. Your husband walks through the high grass every day. Your children, your relationships go through high grass. There are ticks trying to suck the life out of them. And instead of being, instead of trying to fix it after it's already broken, how about we be preemptive? We should have not gone through the tall grass. That would, have been the, that would have been the wise decision. When you pray, you cut down the tall grass. Come on, somebody. When you pray, you cover them. And it, ke- it it keeps the fleas and the ticks from sucking life out of them. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. Here's the third thing I would teach you to do. If you want to be healthy in relationships, you don't want to have, uh, you know, we got our little family, we got us four, no board. the whole world hates us. We Alright, that's who you want to be. But at the end of the day, if you want to be a part of the body of Christ, plugged into the body, which is what the Bible tells us to do, if you're going to be a part of that, then you've got to learn healthy relational habits. Here's the third relational habit that is healthy that you need to learn to do. Number three, and that is you need to be quick to listen. Yeah, I made that up all by myself. No, James chapter 1 and verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I've noticed in the past, and I've worked on this for the last couple years, that I would listen to you Only so I can figure out what you're saying so I can have a better rebuttal to your conversation. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about listening to understand you. This is how you know. Pastor Jonathan, I was telling him the other night as we were preparing for this, he's one of the best listeners I've ever been around. And I'll tell you why. And this is how I know. Because while you're talking, he then will ask you a question about something you just said. "Whoa, whoa, Whoa, so what you're saying is when you did that, it did this to you? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, how did that make you feel? It made me feel terrible, Pastor John, just terrible. And before you know it, he has sucked out all the secrets of your life. And you're like, I can't believe I told this dude that. I just can't believe this. Why? Because he's a great listener. He's a great listener. He's hearing what you're trying to say instead of hearing what he wants to hear because of his filter being clocked. See, we hear what we want to hear many times instead of what they're actually trying to say. And what this is actually referring to is shut up and listen. (laughs) In other words, actually hear them. And there's a lot more being said in body language. There's a lot more being said in facial expressions than there is with words. My wife is always telling our staff, hey, use your words, use your words. Because we don't know what you're talking about. Many times they can't articulate what they're feeling or thinking. And so you have to be a quick listener by saying, are you maybe saying this to me right now? Because I'm trying to hear you. I'm listening. I'm, listen- I- I'm trying to hear you. Quick to listen instead of always so quick to tell our opinion and how, how we think that, you know, it's hard to hear when you're talking. I say it like this. I have a bad time hearing over my own voice. And so quick to listen. Here's the fourth habit that I've learned through the Scripture to do, and that is to learn their language. Write that down. Learn their language. Everyone in this room has a little different language. Everyone. As a multiracial, multigenerational church, you understand that boomers have a totally different value system than millennials. In fact, millennials thought that Gen Z would be just like them, and they're not. Gen Z ain't like millennials at all. And so, but the greatest generation, Gen X, you know, bringing us all together. So... Um, just saying but no we have to learn each other's language and that is just like anything else that you go to school for anything else that you're watching youtube's under diy you know you you've got to learn their language i had a professor in college his name was dr clark and um and dr clark no one hardly got an a in his class he was just he was a tough guy to get an a in his class and I'll never forget, I kept asking guys who graduated before me that took his class, what did you do? What did you do? Because uh, it was hard to get an A. And I'll never forget one of them said to me, you're going to have to learn Clarkism. I said, what's Clarkism? They said, you're going to have to learn it. It's, what he, it's his way of communicating. So what's in the textbook that he's covering won't be on the exam. Well, then why are we covering it? You just got to learn his way. And so the first couple of weeks, all I did was study his way. And then when I got to his versus test before the exams, and I tried to say, all right, what he was saying in class and what's on this test. Oh, that's, he was saying that in the first five minutes. The rest of it was a waste of time, really. So this is where I got to pay attention. And I learned Clarkism. I learned his language, and I got an A in his class <laughs> because I learned his language. And it, and it started a habit for me that I start trying to learn people's languages. I try to to learn what is your value point as I'm listening to you, as I'm watching you. I'm trying to learn your language. I want to, because why? Because I want to communicate to you. If you you have a great message from Jesus Christ and you go to China and you don't know Mandarin, you're a waste of time. You go, well, you all need to learn my English. Well, they're not going to learn your English. You need to learn their language so that you can communicate to them the truth that you have revelation on. And so you never get to, everybody keeps, what i found in 2020 and 2021, we were all broadcasting our values, but nobody was learning each other's language. And so all it was doing was hitting deaf ears, because I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. But if we'd sit down and say, Look, can I learn your language? I just want to learn your language a little bit, because I care about you more than I care about being right. I'd rather be in relationship with you than have you agree with me on every point. I've been married for 28 years now, going on 29 years, and we always say it like this we seldom, seldom agree on points, but we love each other so deeply. We love each other so deeply that we fight to be together instead of fighting to be right. This is what it takes to be in a relationship. You still there? Say yes. We got to move quickly. All right, number five. Here's the fifth healthy relational habit that I would give you, and that is speak life. Speak life. We do. It's so important to the mission of Hill City that I have everyone who does little announcement times and just kind of bring your tithe forward times. I have them all quote Proverbs 18:21. I talk. We coach them all. We say, I don't care if you don't like the verse, you're gonna quote it anyway, and you're gonna own it for us because this is a critical DNA point for Hill City, and that is that the tongue has the power of life and death. Proverbs 18:21. Because it's so. Because I'm so frustrated with myself and others who are so quick to speak death we have to speak life speak life if you wanted to die speak death if you wanted to live speak life you have killed relationships with the powers of your word with the power of your words you've killed them because words have power they are either a tool for satan or a tool for god every one of us every one of us have scars in our soul because of things that were spoken over us Many of us, the way we get attention from someone is to speak death over them. In fact, I have a person that I'm in close relationship with from back in the day. They, were, they have a very phenomenal ministry, um, but they're deeply insecure and they're not a strong leader. And the reason that was is because their parents had a concept that the way I'm going to motivate them is I'm going to speak death over them to try to motivate them. You can't do it. You're, why do you always do that? See which, And they would embarrass them in front of people. And their, their ideology was, if I, if I push them, they will rise to the occasion. They will overcome the, the difficulty that I'm putting out in front of them, and they'll rise up. And if they don't rise up, then they were never called to be a good leader to begin with. That was their parents' ideology. All it did was make them insecure. All it did was affect their leadership. All it did was make them passive. And instead of making them the strong leader they wanted them to they hurt them because they spoke deaf. Deaf. They thought that speaking deaf would motivate the person to change, and that's what some of you have. It's an ideology that seems to be prevalent in different cultures. And if I just, if I, if I, if I pick on them a little bit, if I, if I uh, gouge them a little bit, you know, I know com- coming up, that's kind of was the mentality for the generation above me as I was learning to do certain things. I'll never forget learning to uh, get my CDL license and the men who were teaching me to drive uh, an 18-wheeler, teaching me to drive, all they did was mess with me the whole time. You can't find the gear shift well, yeah, it's right here. You can't find, you can't find again. How stupid are you? Like, dude, I'll reach over and rip your head off. But that, they thought that would motivate me because that's what the generation before them did. And so all they did was speak death, which all it did was cause me to not respect them or want to have anything to do with them. Speak life. If you wanted to live, speak life. If you wanted to die, speak death. Years ago, when I was uh overseeing christ for the nations i had this guest speaker come through and he talked about the power of the blessing to speak life to speak the power of the blessing and uh after he after he'd been gone for a couple days uh one of these young men came up to me he was a married guy and he goes hey pastor i don't think you know my story i want to tell you what's happened i just had a crazy miracle i was like tell me he goes well my wife and i have been missionaries with ywam on the field he said but our marriage got so bad we literally had to leave the field and not knowing what else to do, we came here as Bible school students thinking, well, maybe that'll fix it. And he goes, it's only gotten worse. She sleeps in one room and I sleep in the other. We don't talk. And he goes, and it started, you know, early on, first thing in our marriage, she, she compared me with her dad. Her dad's a big-name minister, and, and she, she you're not like my dad, you're not a good leader. And before you knew it, we were back, we were at each other. He said, but, the, but a couple days ago when that guy came and spoke on the power of the blessing, he said, something clicked in me. I realized I've been cursing her, she's been cursing me. And he said, and so what I did was I went home from that that lecture and I pulled her on on the couch and I said, hey, I want to just, I want to pray with you for a second. She didn't want to have anything to do with it. That's how bad we've gotten. He said, we've been talking about divorce for some time now. And um, and, and he says, so I sat on the couch and he said, and I just grabbed her hand and he said, and I just started saying, I bless you. And I declare that you are the exact woman that God had for me. I bless you because I declare that you're brilliant and you're smart and I love you. I bless you for the the creativity by which you do your work. I bless you because of the strength by which you hold yourself up. I bless you because I know you've been through a difficult life and God, and God has brought you through. I bless you for the way that you worship because when you worship, it's so pure and it's so un- unadulterated. I bless you. He said, I bless her. He said, 15 minutes into it, she's weeping uncontrollably. He said, I'm weeping uncontrollably. He said, I go another 15 minutes, and, she, and, and he said, and when I finally paused for a second... She, who has not said anything kind to me in a year, she starts blessing me, and I bless you that you are the man to lead our family, that you are my husband, and I submit to you that you are, you are stronger and better than any man I could have ever deserved. I bless you. He said, Pastor, she blessed me for 30 minutes. And in that time, he said, I felt like every demon in hell was thrown off of us. I felt as though I could go bear hunting with a switch. He said, Pastor, it changed everything in our marriage. It was like everything that the enemy had been using us against each other was broken. And he said, and I'm telling you, not only that, but that night was a good night, Pastor. I just want to tell you. And I said, what are you talking about? Anyway, all right, let's move to... Number six, the sixth healthy habit, and that is you need to love like 1 Corinthians 13. You need to love like 1 Corinthians 13. Let me read it to you. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. I'm talking about habits, healthy habits. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It keeps no records of wrongs. If you're holding holding a tally sheet against your spouse, against your church, against so-and-so at work, you're not loving. Because love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails again the habit is that we would love like first corinthians 13 i I really want you to get free from from loving some other way so you don't need to love like a man with a chip on his shoulder anymore you need to love like first corinthians 13 you don't need to love like a woman who was mistreated so many times You need to love like 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You don't need to love like the environment in which you were raised in. You need to love like 1 Corinthians 13. You don't need to love like the culture that you were born into. You need to love like 1 Corinthians 13. You don't need to love the way your mama and daddy loved. You need to love like 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When we love like the Bible tells us to love, then our relationships will get healthy, they'll get strong. Our marriages will be impenetrable by the enemy. Our children will love the Lord, the children will serve the Lord. Because our family units will be impenetrable when we love the way God told us to love. The problem is, is we try to love like the world. We're not patient. We're not kind. We're rude with each other. We're self-seeking with each other. We're easily angered. I'm sorry, you just hit my buttons. Whoa, 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 whoa. It says very clearly, it is not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrong. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. Always Shame on you, sir, for not protecting her. Shame on you. Shame on you for not standing up and saying, you will not talk to my wife like that unless you want to lose your eyeball. I'm going to put that thumb right there. Shame on you for not protecting your family from the demonic forces that are trying to destroy them. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. Oh, there are going to be difficulties in relationships. relationship. We did a whole series on this. Conflict and struggles and, 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 and core fears. But it always trusts. Always, this is the kind of love that he calls us to. Not the kind of love that we were raised in. Not the kind of love that we see mo- mo- uh, modeled on, uh, on, uh, from Hollywood or on social media. But his love, a First Corinthians 13 kind of love. Which brings me to number seven. got to move quickly. We're talking about healthy habits. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. If you are angry, it should say when, but anyway. If you are angry, do not sin by, and I pulled this out of the living, do not sin by nursing your grudge. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Get over it quickly. For when you are angry, you give a mighty foothold to the devil. You give a mighty foothold to the devil. And so what the scripture is teaching us is that you're going to get offended, you're going to get frustrated, you're going to have moments where you're like, what did you just say? Or, what did they, what did you, and most of the time it comes through somebody else telling you what someone else did or said. Secondary offense is always, always the most difficult to overcome. And so, so what the Bible very clearly teaches us is don't let the sun go, don't let a, a large time frame eclipse before you go and deal with this thing. Because if you don't, the longer you let that thing simmer the more the Bible says the devil gets a foothold. Now, this is a military term, that Satan gets a foothold. So what Russia is doing right now is they're pushing back the borders to try to get footholds in key cities. Because if they can establish key cities, then they literally can take over the whole country. They're trying to get a foothold. They're trying to get some eminent domain, if you will, in some areas of that country. The reason why they're doing that because if they can, get, they can get established in that, then you've got to find a way to get them out. Because once they're in, they're just about impossible to get out. So the scripture is saying if you let that thing go, all, if, you, if you go through the night into the next day, you've let it go too long. And as a result of that, the enemy will have a stronghold, a foothold, and you want to talk about a hard time getting him out. And that's why, that's why Jamie and I try to live our best. Like, hey, wait, 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 pause, whatever we're doing. Hey, what just happened just now? Let's talk about that. Let's go back. Oh, 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 kids. Come, 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 come. Woo, no, 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 no. We're not gonna say that. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. Amen. Amen. Deal with it quick, because if you deal with it quick, even even if you say, "Look, I, I don't know what I'm feeling right now," we can we can reserve to talk this through at another time. But right now, I just need to acknowledge I, I'm very displeased. I'm, I'm upset. I don't even know how to articulate my feelings right now. But I just want you to know we need to circle back around and have some sit down time. I know this is not the moment, you know, as we're walking into church, but we need to. We need to set an appointment and get this thing talked about. Because that anger gives a foothold. And once he gets a foothold, then he starts destroying from within that relationship. Now you can't just protect him from coming in. Now you're trying to deal with him because he's already in and trying to get him out. And this is what the scripture is teaching us. And so the reason why we don't have healthy relationships is because we don't do what the Bible says. It's not that we weren't made for healthy relationships. It's that we don't do what the Bible says. Disappointment, unmet expectations, misunderstandings, they're inevitable. They're inevitable. I say it like this, if we haven't offended you yet, keep coming. It's going to happen. We plan on it. We wrote it into the business model because you can't do life without offending each other. Without misunderstanding each other, without having mis, uh, unmet expectations, the question is: Will we choose to love and to do it God's way? And will we begin to fight for healthy relationships and fight through the misunderstanding? Will we say, "You know what? I don't see it that way. I don't vote that way. I don't. I, I didn't grow up that way. But you know what? I love you, and I'm willing to fight for you and fight for this relationship. So how do we get healthy here? Whatever I've done, I want to make it right. I want to be right with you, friend. When we take that approach to marriage, to to, to raising children, to doing spiritual, uh, to doing life spiritual family, to work uh, relationships, when we take these habits and we begin to put them into play, and we start every day, hey, 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 before we leave today, the office, I just want to talk to a couple of you guys, Got Bill, Jim, you know, Susan, can we talk for just a second? Hey, guys, we were in that meeting earlier, and guys, I really felt like you disrespected me. I was trying to get us moving on this thing, this project, and every one of you resisted me. Uh, And that's how I felt. I want to give you an opportunity to rebuttal that and tell me what you were thinking. Um, Because as your boss, I do have the power to fire every one of you suckers. But at the same time, I want to be in a relationship with you, and it costs me more money to replace you. So let's figure this thing out. (laughs) That's why Jamie said, I'll never leave you because I've already got you halfway trained. I don't want to have to go through this thing again (laughs) with somebody else. This is the key to healthy relationships is do what the Bible says. It's really simple. I want you to do me a favor now. I want you to stand all across the room.
5: Come on, isn't that an amazing message? We're so happy that you would join us online ministry. We had some amazing comments in the chat. We had crazy drivers saying amen. A friend, I don't know if I know you, Efren. Um, I think this is your first time joining us, so thank you for showing in the chat. I know that Ashley said that the life of the power of life and death is in the power of the tongue. Amen. And Laura Cruz saying, hey, it's so good. And Nina, I don't know if I've met you before, Nina. Thank you for showing love in the chat. If this is your first time joining us online, this is the last part of this series. So be sure to go check us out on YouTube and get some of the previous messages because I know they changed my life. I've heard this message over and over and again. And I think I keep on learning more every single time. Um, and then be sure, don't let this message be just like a one-time thing for you. Let this be something you put in part today. Like I'm planning to have an argument with Esmeralda to today no i'm joking but but i know i'm gonna have an argument this week and being able to pause and use these tools is just going to make our lives better
3: yeah and also if you've made a decision for jesus we want to know we want to celebrate with you so text decided to 469-606-2684
5: we love you online group and we will see you in the chat